0: All right, we're recording. Welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Another busy, busy, busy couple days in Leafland here. Um, a whole mess of trades to get into. A lot of lineup, lineup shuffling. Joined by Jason today. How's it going? Crazy day. I don't absolutely even know absurd. Worst work was so busy. I was like, oh my, God. I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around. People are asking me, what do you think about this? I have no idea. I have no idea. Got my thoughts a little more straight now, though. So, let's get into it. We're going to get into the Lafferty McCabe trade today's trades, which is Tuesday, February twenty eighth, which was Rasmus Sandin, unfortunately departing for Gustafson in a first. Engval being traded to the Islanders for a third, a third round pick going to the Vancouver Canucks for Luke Shen. Which is this is the second year in a row that we've traded with a defenseman involved with the Vancouver Canucks and a third and a third, yep. So pretty much we traded Travis Dermott for Luke Shen. In around look at it like that. And Absolutely. you can kind of look at it like that. Different years and draft picks, but that's kind of funny. Um, and then is there more to come and what do what are the lines going to look like? But let's get into it. Sam Lafferty, Jake McCabe. Part that I loved about this trade was that we already covered these guys <laughs> I came back. I was, so, uh, I was so happy they traded for those two players specifically simply because we already had a whole podcast on them. I had so many notes. I had videos on them. It was just hit retweet <laughs> pretty much.
1: Yeah, and just, just to go over the full details of the trade, for those who don't know, the Leafs acquired Jake McCabe at the massive 50% retained. Jake McCabe, for those who don't know, has, I believe, two years after this year. Is that correct? Through 24,
0: 25.
1: So we get him not only for this year, for two mil, not only for next year, for two mil, but two years from now at $2 million, which is a fantastic cap hit and a fantastic cap number. Along with that, Sam Lafferty, who's also signed to next year, I believe he makes Mm 1.15. And uh, in addition to those two players, we got a fifth round pick, sorry, two fifth round picks from Chicago. They were conditional, correct? Yes, I think the condition is just I. Chicago's going to have a bunch of fifth-round picks in those years. So whatever is the worst one of those, the least we'll get. Oh. Uh, and then in the other...
0: On the way back,
1: uh, sorry, yeah, on the way back, I just got a crazy computer notification. Uh, we, got, we, we gave up Joey Anderson. Pavel Gogolev, first round pick, top ten protected, which is nice because we—I mm-hmm. don't even think we've ever protected a first round pick, which is. It's a 2025 20, first round pick. 2025 first and a 2026 20, second, which I did not know you were allowed to do. I thought you could only yes. trade three years out, and like I thought uh, the whole. The well, the Leafs
0: did was, trade the 20 2025 Arizona pick, but it was conditional.
1: That's the thing. I think that's that's what I thought the loophole was: is that you needed a condition on the pick to be able to trade more than three years out. Surprise! No one, I guess, is twenty. I is is twenty twenty six is only three years out, but it's four drafts out. Is what I'm trying to say, right? I think the rule. I don't. Again, might be talking out of my behind here, but I I was always under the impression that the rule is, uh, you can only trade for the three upcoming drafts. So, but yeah, tr- hey, trade
0: went through, right? So yeah, exactly. <laughs> and honestly, with this trade, I I cannot stress this enough. The Lafferty McCabe trade was so exciting. I could not believe it. I thought maybe the Leafs were going to do one of the O'Reilly trade, uh, O'Reilly Achari trade, or Lafferty-McCabe. They did both. They have no draft capital for the next God knows how many years. Do not care about that. They did both of those trades. And this brings in players that we have been saying the Leafs needed. Another top four defenseman, because we, we stated, like the Leafs had a bunch of, like, decent second-pairing defensemen, if you want to call them that. They needed another fide top-four defenseman, especially one that can play with a more wild-card type of player. I'm not saying who the wild-card is, but I'm sure you can guess, um, with some good defensive ability as well. And then on top of that, Cal Dubas did mention in his press conference, and I did agree with it, that in Sam Lafferty, he's like, oh, he's got a few, some, some goals, some assists this year, whatever, like, his his scoring has gone up from last year. The big thing that he mentioned, though, was forechecking ability and speed from Sam Lafferty. So that was something that they weren't getting as much out of the third line as they wanted. The third line was kind of a bit vanilla when it come, came to that. Like, when you think about it, it was third line last game was David Kampf, Cal Yarncroft, Pierre Engvall. Nobody on that line was really a forechecker. Nobody on that line was really... Um, a hitter, when, or threw the body around. Yeah. So now you slot, you've removed Pierre Engvall, and you slot in Sam Lafferty. Now I did say last episode, I would rather have Pierre Engvall over Sam Lafferty. The thing is, like, it, in for in the Islanders' perspective, I'm getting way ahead of myself. I think the Islanders' perspective, Pierre Engval might work better than Sam Lafferty would in that system, just with his skill set. However, with what the Leafs needed on that third line, I think Sam Lafferty fits it very well.
1: And, and I think Cam Sharon on Twitter, we love to we love to bring him up on the podcast, but everyone should go follow him. I think he's a really good insight into the mind of like what, again, he was with the team just last year. So he's Yeah, like, for like eight best, years. He's the best insight into like kind of what that management is thinking and maybe not the full opinions of them, but like it's a good peek back in the curtains. And one thing he mentioned was last year, the mikheyev camp engvall line, which was fantastic for us in the season, their scoring chances per 60 in the season were off the charts. 35 scoring chances for per 60, 21 scoring chances against per 60. He highlighted that in a tweet, but he then highlighted the playoff numbers. And that was night. It's night and day season and playoff numbers. Playoffs against Tampa, they, were, they had 20 scoring chances, four and 35 scoring chances against. So literally flip. So going from about 66% Scoring chance percentage, scoring chance for percentage, to thirty-three percent, and yeah. I think it's fair to say, like we basically lost that series because, like, not directly because of our third line, but one of the lines that was losing a lot, a lot of the the the, the opportunities was mm-hmm. that third line. And yeah. and how did how did they how did Tampa manage our third line the, by aggressively forechecking and yeah and just kind of being pests? And I think this was a great response from the Leafs in doing that, like. I think uh,
0: yeah.
1: it's going to be cool to see how they set up these lines, but I think mm-hmm. slotting in Lafferty for AngVall, like could could yeah. I think it's going to be a great fit and and also,
0: also I think today's lines that Mark Masters tweeted someone Kyle DeMarkey I believe or no it was Sam Sam Hill uh, replied to our Instagram um, story that was uh, screenshot of the lines I was kind of like what the hell are these lines like a few hours later he responded and he was like this was maybe the most useless tweet in all of history because <laughs> yes, so, he's just, just throw them out. So that much tells us nothing.
1: And, and we're going to get, get into those a little later, but like, let's touch on like a little bit of McCabe and Lafrey, Cause like, like you said before, like, man, we, we were like, it, I want everyone to go back and listen to this. The first episode we did on centers. And then the second, ep, the third episode, our, our third trade deadline episode on the black, it was on the black Hawks, Yeah. Like, we literally called this. We said we wanted Ryan O'Reilly. We said we wanted Jake McCabe. We said we would want a guy like Sam Laftery. We even said in the, the episode before they trade for Ryan O'Reilly and, and uh, Nolachari, we literally called that trade out when we were looking through like potential centermen. Like, the it was like the day out. before I was. It was literally like, you, the day you before Nolachari and Mike.
0: Yeah. It could on-center. Yeah. So it's been great for us so far. Oh my God. I mean, we. And we also, talked- what it brings with this, this pairing right here, what that helps to bring. And you mentioned the Tampa series, and I'm glad you did. The bottom half of the lineup that the Leafs had last year didn't have any tenacity. That's why Sheldon Keith felt the need to put in Kyle Clifford and Wayne Simmons, juice the boys, get some hits in, muck it up after the whistle, all that. That line didn't have any of that. Now you have your Sam Lafferty's who hits everything in sight on the four check. You have your Noel Achari, Noel the nail gun Achari as well other players it seems like have been more invigorated from this change as well like you have so much competition now in that bottom half of the lineup like add this into the mix Bobby McMahon has like a goal a game since he's been sent down to the Marlies wasn't that a guy that impressed for a couple games here and there with the Leafs he's going to be gunning for your job and I think Alex Kerfoot has responded pretty well he's been he's been flying out there unfortunately hasn't on the stat sheet but he's been looking pretty good out there too he probably knows he's his ass is in the jackpot right
1: yeah yeah and uh and I, th-
0: I think it'll help with having that energy in the bottom half of the lineup will help with those slow starts it'll help you get into the games a little bit quicker yeah right I,
1: I, yeah i i i i fully agree with that um yeah another another small thing i like about sam lafferty i don't know I should have looked up his face off numbers before this, but uh, we're kind of like predicting him to be on the third line right now. Like based off what we're talking about, haven't really talked Mm -hmm. to you about this, but just based on what you're saying, seems like we're on the same page with that Uh, small little thing, but again, right-handed shot has the ability to take face off David camp, left-handed shot. Maybe they see Mm -hmm. a little, little, uh, I don't want to say inefficiency there, but little, little, little edge that they can get there. So um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I don't know if you want to go deeper in this trade. I feel like we covered both these guys pretty I much. Mean, if we go
0: deeper, like Sam Lafferty's bald. I don't know. Yeah. Like,
1: no, but we, we covered both <laughs> these guys pretty thoroughly. You, you had two great knock threads, on that, uh, knock
0: on one. I'm the same age as him. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> we,
1: I, I was just saying we have two great threads out on the, on the Twitter account at rink rat report. Mm-hmm. Everyone should go check out. And then also I was on, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to leaf digest. Zach Phillips had me on, uh, talked about a little bit more about the trade there. A lot of the stuff we talked about is probably stale now because we talked about guys who could be moved after the fact and all that and stuff And you is said Kerfoot. Uh, no, I did not. It's crazy. Oh. I said Engvall, and I think I, I willed that into existence, which is crazy. Wow. Um, maybe I can touch on that a little bit more here. I think my my thought, now that Engvall's been traded, my my thought process was essentially that Kerfoot's been better recently, and he's like, he's he's deserved to mm-hmm. spawn the lineup more than Engvall has. Engvall, again, like, Feels like he's just kind of plateaued at this. Like the, he's just scoring those mundane goals that are kind of just like, yeah, he's scoring. But are those going to like? Is that going to translate to the playoffs? Not saying that. He's yeah. Like, I hate the cliche. Like I, 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 think we all hate the cliche of like a playoff performer, playoff player, but, playoff type hockey. But listen, we're playing like playoff type hockey, like by the, like, but people like generally think mm-hmm. about that. That's like, those are the builds of the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Boston yeah. Bruins. So we almost by default have to play that game. Heavy four check. To, to drive the front of the net. Exactly. To just advance the Eastern Conference finals.
0: Like we have to. Yeah.
1: Because I think that's the only way to neutralize those two teams. So, um. Yeah. So yeah, just know, to
0: close uh, off the the Lafferty-McCabe trade, what we're getting both of them. Lafferty, speed, four checking. McCabe, defensive defenseman, a little bit of grit good first pass out of the zone. If you want more detail on them, we did a full breakdown of them as Jason said on Twitter and a few episodes back, we did a breakdown on them as well there. So yeah, uh, let's get into the one, Yeah.
1: One more thing. Joey Anderson's a part of this deal. We talked about Ooh, that good earlier. Point. He's probably going to be an NHL player for the Chicago Blackhawks. He could end up scoring like 10 to 15 goals. Do not think that like, if, if, uh, if Joey Anderson has like a good season next year, that this is, this changes the outcome of this deal at all. He had like no fit on this team. So, Oh, I hope he does well in, uh, in Chicago. I hope, I hope Chicago is able to flip him and get picks for him, but just never, never really fit with us. So, uh, good luck. Yeah, to him he's, and-
0: he's kind of like a quad a type player. Like not the most amount of speed, not the most amount of skill, kind of like a tweener it was a good 13th forward to throw into the lineup here and there. Uh, I think this increased opportunity is going to get a lot of opportunity with Chicago could really help him make that push into becoming a full-time NHL player. So you got to love this deal for Joey Anderson.
1: Yeah. So all the, all the best to Joey and uh,
0: yeah, we'll move on. Yeah. Uh, Let's go Sandy and Gustafson, or do you want to go Pierre Engvall? Let's go Pierre Engvall for a third first, because this is one's more straightforward Sandy for Gustafson and a first is crazy. Yeah. But
1: I, I just want to get into the series of events that let's, let's, I want to like first break down what happened because for me, like seeing this go down on Twitter, I was like kind of on my phone, just kind of waiting for the, I, I like around, I have, I have timestamps of the order of events that what happened. I kind of want to break this down. So I was honestly yeah. on my phone eagerly awaiting the practice lines. 317 Mark Masters tweets out a video of Lafferty McCabe hitting the ice. I see the white jerseys on them. I'm like, all right, who else is in the background? I see, Pierre Engvall with the white as Well, okay, Lafferty's on that third line, trying to piece it together. And then literally out of nowhere, Mark Masters tweets three at three. Sorry. First, Mark Masters tweets out the pairings at 336. Then we're all talking about the Hall, Riley. How are they still together? We thought McCabe would be with them. We thought maybe Brody would be with Riley. That tweet goes out. We're all discussing that. And then 14 minutes later, after the after the lines come out, Mark Masters tweets out a video of just Rasmus Sandin leaving practice saying it's not with a medical person. A minute later, Elliot Friedman tweets that he got traded to Washington. And at that point, I shut my computer. I threw away my phone and I just walked away for a bit. (laughs) So um, that was the start of it. Deal ended up being Gustafson in a first. We talked about what the potential market could be for Rasmus Sandin. I think we were pretty close getting Gustafsson as well. I think is a sneaky good ad. We'll get into that a little bit further, but I think we got a decent haul for, for Sandin. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think everyone here knows how much I love him as a player, but again, we'll get into that later. Yeah. Uh, less than an hour later after that, after all this madness, CJ tweets out at four forty one. 41. Chris Johnson, beach.
0: reporter, Chris, reporter, yeah.
1: Chris tweets out. Engvall to the Islanders and then 3 minutes later Luke Shen to the Leafs for I, I think from uh I think from Friedman I didn't write down who got that but yeah crazy 40 minutes of events oh yeah going on in Leafland over here so that was my head was spinning for all of that but uh yeah so to summarize all of the moves Engvall for a third to our for our 2023 2023 third mm-hmm. um Sorry, I messed that up. Shen for our 2023 third. Engvall for the 2024 Islanders third. And then Gustafson, we received the uh, Boston Bruins 2023 first overall pick, first round pick. First overall, wow. First, first overall first pick from, uh, from Washington, who they got in the Orlov deal. And then they mm-hmm. also got Eric Gustavson, who makes 800K and has had a sneakily good year.
0: Um, Offensively
1: offensively in, in the absence of John Carlson. I watched
0: some shift by shifts so of him. I have some opinions. Yeah. So we
1: can get into that later, but yeah, let's, let's talk about the Shen and Engvall's trade. So uh, when, when yeah. this Lafferty McCabe trade went down, I think everyone kind of expected, it seemed like Sheldon Keefe was saying Murray is definitely coming back from LTR. So they mm-hmm. need to be cap compliant. They need to clear $1.1 $1. 1 million worth of space. And I think we all thought it was either Engvall, Kerfoot or Hall. Um, Engvall was the odd man out. He got dealt for a third. It is what it is. Um, And then I don't know how exactly it transpired. Uh, How do you, how do you, first of all, how do you feel about that trade in general? Engvall for a third?
0: Yeah. Like, I I obviously feel like Engvall would help the bottom half of the lineup. Like here's Pierre Engvall's game. He's fast. He's tall. He has a sneaky, hard shot with some good velocity, good in transition, good moving the puck up the ice. Sometimes, Kuro peels back a little bit too close to the blue line, which makes him run out of space and lose the puck. Um, but what we saw from Pierre Engvall recently was just some not very good hockey, especially in the bottom half of the lineup. That game against Minnesota, in the eight minutes left in the second period, he had a such a bad shift. He played two shifts the rest of the game from almost midway point to the second period, Sheldon Keefe was so sick of his performance. He said, goodbye, T- have a seat on the bench. And this is, you know, right. And then the, the least make that trade for Lafferty and McCabe right after that. Like it was just kind of like they were kind of sick of him. And then against Seattle, I don't know, was whatever kind of pure angle ish. Like I, I put out a thread today on the Twitter uh, account, his game against Buffalo, like, Buffalo was horrible in the neutral zone. He should have ate that game. And you know what? He had more than a few offensive chances, but then you look at the flip side of it. The second goal, he's supposed to be a defensive forward and he doesn't recognize that the defenseman is pinching you're the last forward back and that you should have a, a B line back to your own end and instead just kind of sits there. And on top of that, the first clip of that, the bad plays we'll call them. he, gives up the puck in the, in his own defensive end, just weak on the puck, gives it up. And then the guy that he's closest to ends up with a slot shot because he's gliding back into the defensive play. Like he did with Minnesota as well. Like there's just too many times with Pierre angle. He's supposed to be a defensive player, but even in the offensive zone, his decision-making is not quick enough. He's good defensively because he's fast. He's tall. He has those physical attributes. He's good on puck protection too, which is crazy because along the boards he's horrible at puck protection. He's horrible at competing for the puck. So the Islanders do get some good. They get speed, transition ability, which they probably need. I'm, I think I'm I was going to say. I think that's exactly what they're missing. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but he's just he's going to drive you nuts. It's inevitable. He will drive you nuts because there will be games or and stretches where he will be awesome. He will be scoring. And there will be stretches where he just looks putrid. Yeah, I like that breakdown. That's of him. The Pierre honestly, like, experience.
1: Listen, I, I'm, I'm still. I was very pro. I still am very pro Pierre Engvall. But like, again, like, if we want to be the best team in the league, we got to start trimming the fat of our roster and try yeah. and like upgrade on every position
0: that we can, right? So yeah, and on top of his defensive game, one thing I missed: his stick isn't active enough in the defensive zone. Like, it's not like he's this crazy defensive player that he's marked out to be. I, I honestly broke down his game and like took a closer look and it's a little bit like decent at breaking up plays in the neutral zone, good at transitioning the puck up the ice from the defensive zone. But I don't know. It was, wasn't all that defensively brilliant.
1: Yeah. And, and just to piggyback off of like that film, film study that you did, I think that was like a solid, we should have probably done that sooner, right? Because it kind of gives yeah. us a better look into exactly what Pierre well is. His underlying defensive metrics are good, but it's not because he's a good, good at defending in zone. I think it's more attributed to the fact that when he gets the puck in zone, he's an, he's an exit machine.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: he can get the puck out.
0: If nobody's on him, if he has space.
1: I, I, even without space, I think he's able to do it like, decently. Mm. As long as he's not picking it up along the boards, I think that's like... If you where... hit him, he's losing the puck. Yeah, I guess, but he's so big. Along
0: the boards, the defenseman pinches, they hit him. I mean, you make body contact. He's six foot four, 220. Yeah,
1: but he's just, just so that. big and long. Like, I think that's, I think I I, yeah. I was just trying to say that that's probably where, like, why those underlying numbers like him so much. Because yeah, probably. if the puck is on his stick in our own zone, he's, a, it's not, the puck isn't in our zone anymore. Right. Which is good. Yeah. But if we're talking about getting hemmed up in the zone, he's not. That's not his strength. His strength is mm-hmm. not being st- like, yeah, doing the right things. In and the I, I have like, seen people say, IQ Oh,
0: resume. I have seen people say, Oh, camp is going to be garbage without Engvall. Well, look at camp at the beginning of the year camp's numbers and his play was kind of garbage because he was with Zach Aston Reese and uh Nicholas Abe Kubel, two not very fast skaters. They oh, couldn't the transition training. the puck up the ice, it mm-hmm. was. It was not good at all. It was horrible, to say the least. Put him with Pierre Engvall, Cali Yarncroft, you improve that transition ability. So now you have David Kampf with Cali Yarncroft. Who's going to be on the other side? Yeah, and,
1: and Nicholas Obdekou, I don't know if he's been hurt, but he's only played 29 games for Washington this year. He's barely, he's not really able to crack an NHL roster. So I don't know if that's, I think that's kind of an unfair thing to uh, say. Swing and a miss. <laughs> an unfair thing to say about David
0: Camp. Uh, and then but I, I still think if you put him with like a Chari and Cali crock, David Camp's not going to be as effective. He needs that speedy winger. Guess what? We got one.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and we got one, one for next year, too. Yeah. So it, it, it all works out in the end, but uh, I think so, too. Yeah. I think, listen, I love, I love Pierre Engvall when he was here. He was a fun player. His contract was, good, not great. And like I said, like we got to trim the fat somewhere and he was just the odd man out. Um, yeah. and I think, I think it was the right move. Um, something I want to get into a little bit later is, uh, like the timing of these moves. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's cause there's more to come, but yeah. yeah, I think we'll, we'll
0: touch on that a little bit later to close off. On Pierre Engvall, just big, strong, big, strong, fast, but he just didn't have that good. He didn't have that dog in him. Fair enough. That's all I saw from, from watching. He didn't have that. He lacked dog per 60. That's, and, and honestly, like
1: if we're going up against Tampa and we're going up against, uh, we're going up Boston. against Boston, like that's sweet. We need, we We are no. in desperate yeah. need of dog per 60, without a doubt. Yeah. So um, yeah. I'm just, just trying to draw this out a little bit longer so natural stature can load, but I just want to get the with and withouts for Anglo Camp.
0: Yeah. That'd be a good one.
1: Uh, do you want me to talk some Eric Gustafson? Nope. I just, I just got, got it. it. So, yeah. So they played, wow. They played 964 minutes together. Camp without Angvall, 774. Looks like camp has been not too friendly on the, on the coursey C4. Uh, yeah. No, just the all, all by all metrics does not look good, but I think that I, I'm going to attribute like who knows We'll we'll see what that what that looks like with Sam Lafferty. Maybe it's just, uh,
0: I think they worked very, they worked very well together. Like camp is very good at puck battle wins and breaking up plays in the defensive zone. Like, and then you have that transition guy with them really helps them out. Right. Yeah. It was a good compliment, but guess what? Like now Sam Lafferty's should in theory, step in very seamlessly into that spot.
1: Yeah, and like I honestly think, like, yeah, Engvall is just—he, you know—he he he was a—he has good underlying numbers, but it just was—it we've watched him for so long, it's just not translating. How many playoff goals he's
0: have? How's that for a number? I'm I'm doing glasses right now because it's zero. But didn't um, he have like one point on a goalie last playoff series?
1: He had two points last playoff series, both empty net assists in the same game to Ilya Mckayev. I think game
0: one, he had an assist too.
1: Maybe. Did he also have an assist game, okay, maybe? Maybe. I yeah. don't know.
0: Still, he didn't score very much.
1: Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Pierre uh, uh Yeah. Do you want to touch on Shen for a bit? I feel like... I think you, you watched Shen, right? You watched a bit of
0: Shen? A little bit, yeah. I mean, this is a guy that... You know, he's been kind of punching above his weight offensively this year. Um, He's putting up way too many points. Uh, is better at exiting the zone like his exit percentage via Cam on he tracks that data uh, on his uh word His word space is that the word i don't even know if you matter. just check
1: him out on twitter he's in his uh bio yeah exactly so I, t- I was
0: taking a look at those numbers and his exit percentage is not as bad as i thought he's not getting hemmed in his own end that that much when he has the puck but also he plays with quinn hughes so you know just throw it over to Quinn's side and he'll he'll get the puck out. But he's clearly not a first pairing defenseman, which is what he's been playing this year. He's more of a depth defenseman, sixth, seventh defenseman. Like this guy throws so many heavy hits. Like I, I put out on Twitter, all of those hits were from like one month, like Jan 28 to Feb 28. All of those hits, he crunched guys. His defensive strategy is more so take, I've said this in the past, but take one guy, beat the hell out of him, um, see the puck near a guy, like go full charge and run at him. I don't think his defensive instincts and his offensive instincts are that good. He doesn't handle the puck very well. He's not very fast, but he's a big body that brings, uh, he's a character guy, I call him,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I I think that makes. I think that's a good like.
0: Like I think Zach Bogosian is like a better kind of type of what he is. I think Zach yeah, Bogosian's I... better with the puck. Big. He's a big body as well. He's physical. Um. Also, not that that offensive, but I think Zach Bogosian's a little bit smarter than Nuke Shen. So, but yeah, Zach but... Bogosian wasn't available. I'm just saying.
1: Yeah, and uh, we we've kind of had a revolving door of players, kind of playing beside Morgan Riley. We haven't found a fit yet. I talked about it a bit yesterday on Leafs Digest. Like, I don't, I like, and I've talked about it here many times, I like TJ Brody away from Morgan Riley. I think TJ Brody is better away from Morgan Riley. I think it's a better allocation of your players. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, maybe Luke Shen could work with Morgan Riley. I think I think that could, like, that could make sense, because Quinn Hughes is, because uh, Quinn Hughes has uh, seemed to, like, I mean, not work amazing with him, but hey, like they're playing him with Quinn Hughes. So that, that's like,
0: I think pretty Quinn close Hughes comparison. is kind of working in spite of him. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but also, maybe, you got to look at it. Like you're saying he's first pairing with Quinn Hughes. Like Quinn Hughes last year, like last year, Luke Shen's underlying numbers defensively were f- terrific, right? But look where Vancouver is. They're in last place. He was playing first pairing. And his numbers were not very good this year. Yeah. I, I, I think he lacks smarts. He lacks foot speed. He lacks just offensive ability in order to be that first pairing. Um, I know what you mean in terms of, oh, Quinn Hughes to Morgan Riley. That's kind of seamless. I mean, it's great if we want to compete in the world championships in uh, in May. But in a playoff series, I don't see it. I can also see how you're thinking Ilya Labushkin. But Labushkin, I think, was smarter, better like better instincts a little bit than than Luke Shen. I I wouldn't want Luke Shen with Morgan Riley. So I,
1: I can see where you're coming from in that angle, but I think there's a flaw in your logic, and I worry that maybe the Leafs have this similar flaw, and that's thinking that Morgan Riley is a number one DN is our number He's one. He's not D. in <laughs> my head. He would not be playing like top minutes. Like I I would I would roll a top four of McKay, Brody, and potentially Giordano and Lilligren as our maybe top four, and have. Like maybe this is stupid, but Riley and Shen in
0: like a slightly more sheltered role. Like maybe that's better. I don't think they're gonna do that with Morgan Riley though. When have they ever played Morgan Riley less than like twenty five minutes a game? Right? I don't know. That's
1: that's how I that's how I would do it, but and I think that's how you could make it work with Luke Shen, but maybe not. Maybe Luke Shen is just an addition as a seventh defenseman and Justin Hall is necessary beside Morgan Riley for that top four role. And
0: that's what I think is well, I, I think, think he's gonna be a seventh insurance defenseman. Yeah. Like, I don't know. He he brings, he brings character. He was with the Leafs. Like,
1: he I also don't know, but he also is like helps with clearing out that net front, which I think could be yeah. important. And I could see I could see him like I, I honestly like I, I I could see us starting the series with Justin Hall in and and, and finishing it with maybe Luke Shenon with just not. Sheldon keep just not liking the style of play because we've seen that offensively with like Wayne Simmons getting kind of thrown in and out, mm-hmm. and even Spezza coming out for for like like you said, guys like Clifford, like Spetza didn't play game one, right? So maybe, um, yeah, I think that's maybe that's what it is. But yeah, Luke Shen is definitely here. But the other guy that I think we should maybe transition to is the is that other trade we made. Eric, do <laughs> you, you have any final thoughts on Luke Shen to give before? Yeah, I mean,
0: it's nostalgic. Everyone's pulling out their number two jerseys.
1: Well, um one thing I will say though, Jake McCabe quickly scooped that number two oh. yesterday. So is uh I know. What a mistake.
0: Like number twenty-four, man. Like, yeah, he, like... they screwed that up. <laughs> but imagine really Shen, badly.
1: Imagine Shen gets twenty
0: four and like <laughs> I don't oh know. Oh my gosh. Uh he's number I think he's number twenty two. Nick Richard was saying that. Ah, okay. But okay. yeah, it mm-hmm. was um Anyways, so the other defenseman that the Leafs got today, I mean, they gave up Rasmus Sandin. I liked Rasmus Sandin's game. I know you did as well. Like, the issue is, can you have a top four, a competitive Stanley Cup-level top four with Sandin and Riley, two offensive defensemen? I think, if like, the issue is, the writing on the wall was, when you think back, was that Riley extension for Rasmus Sandin. Like and we talked and we
1: talked about that. Like, yeah. listen, you can you can go back to October 31st when we recorded that episode. I don't know if we posted on it October 31st. We recorded. it. I vividly remember it being Halloween weekend. And, it was. Yeah. And I was getting ready for a Halloween party, and Morgan Riley got extended. We hopped on a call. Like, um, yeah, like I vividly remember that. And We talked about saying like, hey, this is probably the end of Rasmus Sandy. and we tried to make it work for as long as it did at the time. We had, yeah, we had uh, Jake Muzzin. in. Then we traded for March Giordano, right? We didn't have March Giordano at the time, so maybe it could work. Then we traded for March Giordano, mm-hmm. and like then, then we're like, oh hey, this is not gonna work. Then Jake Buzz gets hurt, and then we're like, hey, it might work again, and then just just never like you ended just up. just can't working have out.
0: two high activity guys in that spot there. Like Sandy was never gonna be PP1 because it seems like it was always gonna be Morgan Riley, or maybe they teased him and then put Riley back on there. Like, I don't like I I feel like. It was Riley or Sandine and you had to pick one. So kind of in that thinking good that they were able to move him and get good value out of him. Like a first round pick in Eric Gustafson, I think is right on par with what Nils Lundqvist went for um, in the off season, which he went for like a first and a third, I want to say, or first and a fourth around there.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, I think you could probably get more for than a third for Eric Gustafson, but um, we'll see.
0: Um, Yeah. So in terms of Eric Gustafson, from what I watched right before this podcast, like he has, what, 38 points this year. He scored a hat-trick against the Leafs, so everyone vividly remembers that. His skating and puck handling are very nice. He snaps the puck around. Like When you watch him out there, the first thing you're going to think when he moves that puck is he snaps it out there, looks very nice. Very mobile. His skating is good. Um, most forward skating is good. I'll say the skating and edges of going forward are very good. He uses his skating very well to get point shots through. I think his last, like five, five of his last six assists, I want to say were from tipped point shots. So that was pretty cool, but he also does pass the puck very well through the neutral zone. Um, he likes to pass it, get up the ice, give himself some space, um, kind of push the other team back, um. Yeah, that transition game vision uh, in the transition game looks really nice. Uh, his flaws. Oh, boy. He looks like Morgan Riley out there. He's very Riley-esque on both both aspects, offensive and defensive. Very, very Riley-esque. He sometimes forgets he's playing D. You'll see plays where it's just like, oh, that's the winger with the puck. That was a nice play by the winger. No, that's Eric Gustafson up there. And he doesn't, like to like stop up and make a quick turn. He does a full turn around the net and then all the way back the other way. Like it's it's kind of like, what? Oh, is this guy going for a leisure skate out there? The play's still going on. Um also when defending the rush, he does a weird full turn with his ball, like a full like circle around back instead of making like a tight pivot to defend the rush. He gives the 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 offense player Way too much time and space by doing that full roundabout loop de loop kind of nonsense. Um, that- it seems like there's a never, never a neutral shift with him. It's either positive, up the other, snap the puck, to the forwards up the other way, shot on that goal, or it's a goal the other way. So, in summation, offensive wild card that transitions the puck well and has power play QB abilities. Just hope the puck doesn't go the other way. If Samsonov sees Riley and Gustafson on the ice together, he might have a heart attack. Those two should only be on the ice together in warm-ups and practice. All right, so that's a little bit about the what the Leafs are getting back in Eric Gustafson. We have a surprise guest now in Josh, who's joining us. Uh, so we're going to talk about, I don't know, well, let's get in a little bit more about uh, the Rasmus Sandin yeah. trade and what your yeah. guys' thoughts are on it.
1: I, I just wanted to chime in quickly before uh, Josh comes in here. I just wanted to say like, We just talked about Rasmus Sandy not being able to coexist in a lineup with Morgan Riley. And I don't know if this is fair because we don't know what capacity Gustafson will play for this team, but those guys won't be able to coexist together, both Morgan Riley and Eric Gustafson. So whether Gustafson is just simply Morgan Riley, like literally Morgan Riley insurance in case he gets hurt in the playoffs or they have a bigger picture for him outside of this team, or he's just simply a seventh defenseman, just does not suit up for this team, maybe plays couple games down the stretch in the last whatever uh, 15, 20 games that are left in the season. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it's a, definitely an interesting deal. And I think I, again, like good return for Sandy, but it just breaks my heart that he got traded. So, yeah.
2: Can you not to just jump in wildly, but can you expand on that point a little, Jason? Why don't you think Riley and Gustafson can coexist? If well, going into this week, we are optimal Leafs. Defense group included Sandine as well, right? Overhaul. is way worse defensively.
0: Okay. That's my opinion.
2: But, okay.
0: All right.
1: I I think, again, like Razley Sandin can excel, but like you kind of missed out that I I should have mentioned this earlier in that that TLDR notes of what we talked about. We kind of talked about how the moves that we had to make were to get more physical in the playoffs. And it's not because we're playing in the playoffs and the playoffs are more physical, it's because the teams were going to have to end up playing in the playoffs, play that way, right? Boston plays yeah. that way. Tampa plays that way. If we're not able to manage those uh, play styles yeah. against us, then we kind of don't like, we're, we're kind of... Yeah, and Sandy's kind of more dying.
0: physical than Gossipson.
1: Yeah, but uh, the thing is with Sandin, though, I think like I talked about again, talked about yesterday on Lee's Digest, uh, compared to our other defensemen, Justin Hall and uh, some other guys, I think that he does struggle against the forecheck, so there is that yeah. too, right? Yeah. So maybe in a, if if we were on the other side of the bracket against Carolina and New York and New Jersey, maybe Sandin could excel in a third pair role on this team. But just by virtue of who we're going to be playing, I don't think it's possible. So, and honestly, maybe who knows? Maybe he'd need more seasoning though, right? Like the f- most frustrating part with, with the Theraz and Sandin trade is I think the way that we treated him, the, just him being tossed in and out of the lineup, never he still hasn't gotten a full season's look like we just traded him. Like he never got a full season's look with the least he was injured. Because he got injured. Yeah. And was it because he got injured though, because last year, like he wasn't really getting a full season to start the year. He wasn't even in our plans, right? Like, well, so- they actually
0: had no plans after they traded for geo. It was just kind of a figure it out thing. Yeah. That's what Kyle Dubas said in his presser. And then like an hour later, they found out that that's Reses- sending straight. to torn his ACL. And they're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so
1: so maybe this move came a year early because he got hurt like who knows right or could could have happened a year earlier if he didn't get hurt so um maybe maybe but but yeah there's like listen again I said it been saying it all this time like if we want to win we got to be the best team and we right now we're making moves mm-hmm. that put us in that conversation of hey this is the best team and on top of that we have a first round pick now to reload and get another guy if we end up doing that so I uh, there has to be more
0: moves.
2: They're not done. They have well, how nine, could they have, yeah, nine defensemen? It's outrageous. They have
0: nine defensemen.
2: Like, well, we've spoken so- praises of Connor Timmins.
0: Connor Timmins is ninth on the depth chart, right? I'm going to cough. <laughs> oh.
1: So, are, arguably, they have 10 NHL defensemen. Maybe 11. 11. If you want to put Victor Mete in, in that conversation. Like, Jordy Ben, Victor Mete. Like, we have a ton, of, a ton of guys in these. So, I can see that. But also, like... Who's to say that these guys just aren't their seventh and eighth D and, and they just don't see Timmons as an option this year and Timmons is just the future next year, right? Maybe that's what they see. It's possible. But they're going to
2: carry 9D in the NHL for the rest of the season. They
1: all, all three of them make a 800K. It's the same as carrying 7D with Sandin.
2: No, Sandin but it, makes. But who's, who's like, what if you want Nyes to come into the lineup? Where's the room for him? There is room for Nyes right now. Wow. There's 23 players on the roster right now. Mm-hmm. There
1: is room for right? I did. I did the cap front. They just got to pull it up. Hold on.
2: All right. You probably buried Zach Aston Reese in that.
0: Maybe. Yeah. That would kind of, yeah. If Nye's comes in, I mean, Nye's. it was interesting to look at. Uh, uh, lastly, I posted him on the Instagram story to see how well microstats stats wise, Matt, Matthew Nyes has been this season um, because he does play on one of the best lines in the NCAA, but. I do think Nice has talents to be able to transition into an NHL role. Do you think we see him in any playoff games?
2: I don't know. I I don't even know. Is it certain that he's going to turn pro? Like, we don't really know, right? I I, I would assume. Assuming he does turn pro. Then, yeah, I would probably think so. Based off your Mm. current lineup, I think at a home game, I think they might, considering the other depth forwards the Leafs now have, I think they may consider him over a Zach Aston Reese possibly in a home, okay. in a home environment where you can control who he plays against. I think that's definitely possible, but I also think, like you said, Joe, there's a good chance they're not done. And if a move is to be made, it's certainly not going to be on the back end now. Right. No. Like you have nine defensemen. Is well, it a move pa-
0: could be made on the back end that you're sending one away.
2: For sure. I think that would be likely. Is a goalie possible? Yeah, it's possible. But if I had to put the percentage, it'd probably be like ninety-five forward, five percent goalie, for the last move. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I mean, listen,
1: I don't. Apparently, LA Kings have an offer on the table for Jacob Chicharín, and then couple like this was a couple hours ago. More recently, they've apparently made a push for Gavrikov. So if they're out of the Chicharín ch- sleep. Like the, if there are the
2: sweepstakes, who's who's in? Would you we want the leaders to
1: be in? Is that bananas? Like how
2: could they be in on that? They don't have the assets for that. I don't know. They have two first round picks. I guess they could. It would be two first round picks nice plus something on the roster and probably yeah, more. Probably more. They're asking
1: for a lot. Okay. So then yeah, prob- probably probably a forward add.
2: Yeah. I could see that. I mean, who would it be, though? I mean, who's left? I don't know. I've, I've seen people say Tom Wilson. That doesn't seem realistic, but that would be no. You mean pretty... Biz. Biz say Tom Wilson? No, I've, se- I've seen other people say that, too. Really? Yeah. But I don't know if that's realistic at all, to be honest.
1: Uh, other, other names I've seen float around as well is Buchnevich, because he has two years left. I, again, I don't know if that's realistic as well. Lee:
2: don't uh, think actually, that's realistic.
1: Actually, he has three years left,
2: so whoever said that on Twitter is a liar. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I think St. Louis is done trading guys from their roster now. Yeah, unless they yeah. trade unless they trade a D. I think they're they're gonna try to reload quickly now.
0: Yeah, I've seen Pareco's name float out there. I don't know what's gonna happen there. But we'll see. Yeah, I, I think a reload, Josh, as you said, is entirely possible. I mean, they have a lot of picks, so we'll see. We'll see what uh that's a team to keep your eye on because yeah. they've been in the playoffs so many years in a row and now to, to fall off like that.
2: It's curious to see what the, the plan of Doug Armstrong is, but anyways, one more thing, just in summation of the Sandine combo, like Jason said, I think the part, I think everyone understands that he's probably not an integral part of like winning a cup this year. All right. I think everyone yeah. can admit that, but it's the management of the asset over the five years that I think frustrated a lot of people. So oh, yeah, you have to bake that into why people are upset. Right. So just my last little closing thought on that
0: that's a good point
2: i mean i i'm i
0: totally agree i mean ugh.
2: like and
1: and and i get
2: like just sorry to keep this
1: kind of going longer than we we expected here but i just and sorry to cut you off but i, I just like everyone is loading up in the east this year like if you were going to trade sandin we could have done it in a year when when not everyone was loading up you know and then yeah. had probably a, a, a more likely shot of making our way out and i'm not saying like again like we've done we made great moves this year don't get me wrong like i love all the trades we've made so far and like uh, it's just like again, the mismanagement. I think, like, I feel like, like with the Sandine trade,
0: you don't love to see a guy that young go, especially a guy that's been progressing slowly but surely. Like, points total has been going up. He looks more confident with the pucks. Like, there are pieces still missing from his game, but he's getting better progressively. You don't like to move a guy like that, but it was, I feel like you just got ahead of, you know, the asset depreciating and his value going down, right? Maybe,
1: but you could have said the same thing about Lilligren last year and look at the massive leap he took this year.
0: That's a good point. And they're like... But, but I,
2: I agree, but less barrier to entry for Lilligren because we were begging for a right shot. To that's think. true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's
0: a good point. But... um, So it looks like Nick Bukestad status actually been scratched tonight for TRR. David Pignata is calling that... Um, for anyone that doesn't know, TRR stands for tummy ache related reasons. And <laughs> so we salute Nick Bukestad in these tough times.
1: Corpus L also with a stomach bug apparently. Out with he's TRR got he's got TRR. Well. Oh yeah.
0: no, yeah, it's going around. Yeah, Yikes! So, but anywho, um, do you want to try to take a stab at what the the D pairings are, or in the forward pairings too?
1: I mean, yeah. Let's start with the D because I think there's just less, so it's slightly. There is easier. a game
0: tomorrow, so they do need to put unless they trade, make a bunch of trades, and then put God knows who out, who out there, um, you know.
2: Well, I think the D are going to be the D are going to be the same as practice for tomorrow's sake, right? Like that's not going to change. So Riley Hole. for sure. Why? What? What would it have changed? Like if we want to talk about pontificating about the playoffs, that's a different story. But if we're talking, yeah. Tomorrow and probably Thursday, it's probably these six, no?
0: Yeah. That kind of yeah, sucks. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think Edmonton has a guy named Connor McDavid and uh know, Morgan Riley, R-
1: known Connor McDavid
0: killer. Oh thank God for Morgan Riley. <laughs> but,
1: so So what were the uh, pairings?
0: Morgan Riley, Justin, Justin Hall, Hall, Giordano,
2: Logren, McKay, and then McKay Brody. Brody. Yeah. Did you purposely list them from third pairing to first pairing, or was that? <laughs> Yeah, that's not a joke. I'm dead serious. Like I don't know. I had Riley Hall in my in my head first, and then we talked about Lilgren most recently. I don't know. Like I know people are listing Riley Hall as the first pairing. And like the people who watch practice, that's not the Leafs' first pairing. It's not. Oh, it it's not. See, uh, we talked about it earlier. It is in their eyes. Like no, it's not. I don't think it is. I think Brody and McCabe is their first pairing. Yeah, just we'll see with minutes played, but
0: yeah.
1: That's like the biggest indicator. But anyways, I think that
0: could be a good indicator though. These next couple games, seeing Morgan Riley's ice time, you've upped the D you've improved the D. Jake McCabe can play Morgan Riley's top four spot. Right. Where does Morgan Riley's ice time go?
2: His ice time has been lower than usual. I would say it's been around 21 minutes, last five games and even strength, even closer. Like lilligren has been playing a lot more recently. If you pull up the recent games, yeah. Lilgren's been playing. Lilgren's been earning a lot more ice time, which is something interesting to keep following. So, hmm. but I mean, what like does where does Luke Shen fit? You gave a third round pick for him. Where does he fit?
1: I I think. Listen, Hall is staple to this team. I think it's just a, an insurance policy, maybe for Justin Hall. If he's if Sheldon Keith, we talked about this earlier. Sheldon Keith is not happy with how Justin Hall plays. He just kind of slots in for Justin Hall. That's what I think, and I think he plays. like I, I we, we, you missed this part, but I talked about him playing with Morgan Riley as potentially a pair
2: that could work in a more sheltered role. Yeah did did Joey give his description of Luke Shen earlier? Yes, yes. Yeah, beat, beats people up. I t- I talked to someone today who would know the player. I would say, and he also said he goes out of his way to hit people, which is exactly <laughs> what Joey said last podcast and probably this podcast. So if, if you don't think Joey's dead on, on the player of Al, I think he's pretty dead on. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Yeah.
1: So, uh, so D I guess they're locked up then, right? Like for now, for now, for now, uh, playoff game one. Would it change from now to then? If Uh, if, like, obviously if we make moves, it's
2: going to change, but if it was me or if, what are they going to do? What both it's a little confusing because right now, I think, would we agree the top four D that you're most comfortable with whatever you want to say about Morgan Riley is Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Jake McCabe and Mark Giordano. Is that true?
0: Yeah, like I, yes. could, I could see. That's the four that I could see playing top four minutes. Yes.
2: What What's your disagreement of those four, Jason? I see you shaking.
1: Your well, head. I just I just want to go look a little deeper at how Mark Jordano played against Tampa last year. I think that the matchup is like the most important thing here, and I'm not saying he played poorly at all. I just I just wow. want to go take a deeper look. Again, like this isn't my own thought. I just Cam Sheron. No, it's tweeted, not. He
0: tweet- did, and you know why he. So sorry to cut you off there. So Cam Sheron did say that he guaranteed certain D-men. I forget who he said. There was three of them, as you're saying. And Mark Giordano, my God, my Italian ancestors are going to smack me for that one. Um, Mark Giordano wasn't in that group. And one thing that I've noticed with Cam tracking data is that Mark Giordano actually, off the rush, off of zone entries, gives up the highest rate of chances out of all Leafs D.
1: So that's yeah, that's something that could be dangerous against like the, the top, Kucherov, top six of, of
0: Tampa. Braden Point, ever heard of him? Yeah. Yeah, As, but who,
2: who would you put in that spot that you think in the tough minutes, which Giordano's basically played the toughest possible minutes all season that would do a better job in his spot?
0: That's a tough determination right there. I'm just saying why, why yeah. someone would say that, though.
2: Well, clearly, because right now, like, with all joking aside, he's on the third pair, right? Yeah. So, who knows? I, I, it's it's tough. I, I personally would load up those four and give them the majority of the minutes. I would I would be flipping Hall at the deadline with a pick for a forward. I think that makes the most sense, and I would run. You guys might laugh. I would run Gustafson and Lilgren as a extremely sheltered third pair. Extremely, extremely sheltered. They may also trade Gustafson, but then it gets complicated because you have three right shot D as your leftovers, which is crazy because we never had any right shot D. Now we have like too many. many. So it's like, it's almost impossible to say right now before they make other deals. Like if they do make other deals.
0: Yeah.
2: But that's what I would want. I don't know what you guys think.
1: It's pretty close to what I want. Yeah. Yeah, I guess.
0: I mean, I think I thought I had been thinking Logan had earned more top four minutes, but I guess when you spell it out, I mean, if Brody and McCabe are on the right side, then where else is he going to kind of play? I mean, penalty, he does play penalty kill. He's second power play as well. So there are some I, minutes there, but.
1: I wonder if there's a path to see as this would be crazy, but both McCabe and. I guess no, that wouldn't really work. I was going to say both McCabe and Brody on the left side, but just forgetting about Mark Jordano there for a second. No path there. Never mind. Scrap oh, that yeah. move on. Oh. Scrap that move on. Um. Probably so, not. so that that was pretty much anything else for the D. I feel like we talked about that pretty covered that. Like Connor good. Timmons is
2: not an option in the playoffs. Like, right? no, I, we already talked yeah, about. No. That. Okay. No, okay, absolutely not. Yeah,
1: okay. like came in he's, hot. But... He's in the future. Like, listen, might maybe next year.
0: You're I remember playing, those like, first 13 games. Who
1: knows? Like but not now. No. Not now. Not against not against these two teams. Tampa and Boston. But it'll uh, be interesting
0: to see how they slot him into the lineup coming the rest of the year because you can't sit him for 40 games straight. Who Timmins? Yeah, in the regular gonna,
2: season, if if they have the current eight guys, he's not going to play another game. Unless they trade someone, he's not playing wow. another game. But they're going to trade someone, so it's a useless conversation. Right? Yeah. Like They're gonna need to. They're not. I don't think. I don't know how they have nine D. It's it's outrageous. I think Gustafson's a flip or hall. I think that's what's coming. We'll see.
1: Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm saying Justin Hall's been staple to that side. But hey, after the moves today, I don't think anyone's safe. So, which is another reason why I kind of like those moves. A little shock the room.
0: Yeah. So.
2: The um, Swedish guys were like crying. I kind of it's kind of a tough know, sight to see. Really,
0: those guys are so close together. It was yeah, wow.
1: it's really feel, tough to see. Feel, feel for for Lilligran, because he like I hit, weren't him. That's been center, his like, guy.
0: Drafted like, one year apart from each other, starting together the in the NHL together. Like, yeah.
2: Well, luckily he way. shoots right, not left, because that could have been him. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But yeah, it's these are the tough moves that need to be made. Like yeah. it is what it is.
0: Exactly. There was a pretty funny tweet. I will pull up as quick as I can uh, from right here from Keith Whip on Twitter. And he said, you have to remember the emotional side of the game. These guys aren't robots. Think about how Luke
2: Shen feels knowing he missed Bruce Springsteen last night. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's a fantastic tweet. That is a fantastic tweet. How about the awkwardness of like uh, team bonding? And then they get on the ice, and Dubas is just by the glass like a hockey dad <laughs> on the phone, literally trading all of his trading sons. Everyone. Trading them at like, you know, like martyrs, dad being telling him, like, yeah, I swear <laughs> to God, Mitch, you're going to, that's Dubas. Like, Angva, if you don't skate, that's it. You're going to the island. Lose part of them now. Oh that's my good. God. <laughs> I'm just
0: I'm just losing it get of that. <laughs> you better get. Fucking skating. <laughs> you better get fucking skating, Kerfoot! I swear to God. Seriously.
2: <laughs> um, do we want to look at forward lines? Yeah, why not?
0: Yeah. Um, um, Jason and I. Well, I was very hyper focused on this. Uh, for some reason, someone brought up to me, "Hey, what do you like more? The Marner Matthews combo from last year, the William Nylander Matthews combo from." This year, like which of the two do you prefer? And it was brought up. Oh, it's more spread out this year because they're both producing flows very nicely and all that. And I, I, I was like, okay, well, I'm skeptical, skeptical about literally everything. Like you tell me it's it's not butter, or whatever. That's stupid. I can't don't believe it's not butter. Can't believe it's not butter. No, ho, 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 I'll I'll take it to the lab and
2: you would know. Hey,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, but so I wanted to take a look. I like, has it actually been better. And here were some numbers that stood out here. Mm-hmm. This year, Austin Matthews and William Nylander goals for percentage seventy three point nine one, which yeah. is just a crazy percent. Expected goals for percentage fifty six point four two. Their their PDO is at like one oh seven. It's at a crazy rate right now which I thought was very interesting. And then on top of that, um, Mitch Marner and John Tavares this year, 65% 65 goals for, 54.42% expected goals for. And then when you look at last year, Matthews and Marner, goals for percentage for them through the same time period, February 28th. So beginning of the season to February 28th last year. Goals for percentage, 60.78%. Expected goals for percentage, 6367 which is a crazy rate. But their goals for percentage doesn't even touch Matthews and Nylander, which is just crazy. And then when you look at Nylander-Tavares, these numbers just, I couldn't believe them at all. Nylander-Tavares last year, goals for percentage at this time last year was 45.45%. Their expected goals for percentage was 55.4. And I looked at why is the goals for percentage so low? Well, the goalies could not stop a puck and they could not score. Their PDO was at 967, 8.42% on ice shooting percentage, 883 on ice save percentage at five on five that should get you sent straight to the ECHL
2: so, yeah well and then it flipped because then Nylander this year his on ice save percentage has been out- outrageously high yeah, like his PDO has gone crazy this year but that's and just the was, swings right those are the ups and downs sometimes
0: exactly exactly and um Yeah. So just going through the numbers here, it looks like the chances wise last year was kind of a better split, but goals wise this year has been killing it. So I think with the addition of Ryan O'Reilly, it'll help to keep the good times going and all that in that top six there. But it was just an interesting thing to look at because you'd expect, oh, this year, the goals for so much higher. The, The differential is so much higher than last year. It must be That much better underlying, and
2: it's really not. No, no, I could pull it up right now. William Nylander on ice shoot save percentage this year is nine thirty seven at five on five. Nine thirty seven last year was eight eighty eight. (laughs) That's fifty points different. Here's here's the here's the thing. Okay, Austin Matthews didn't score for get a point for three games. Maybe it was four games. Was it three or four games? When beginning of the year? No, like right now. Oh, yeah. He was on a three-game schneid, yeah. Three or four-game schneid. What was Sheldon Keefe's solution for that? Mitch Marner. And what happened? He has like, four goals in his last two games. Three or four. He scored two against Seattle. That was the first game. Like, it's not that complicated. Nylander is much more individual, and he's been able to score goals on his own. Mm -hmm. But that has taken away Matthew's ability to, like, put up the crazy goal numbers that we've seen in the past. Mm -hmm. I looked coming into like, including the Seattle game, Matthews is on pace for his lowest goals per 60 number of his entire career this year, actually. Wow. Even inclu- including his rookie year. So I don't think that's a coincidence. I, and I think you'll probably see him with Marner for the majority of the rest of the year.
0: Yeah. So do you think if they were to keep the lines the same, Matthews, Nylander, Taveras, Marner, like, do you think it w- we would have saw Kind of a regression towards the mean.
2: In terms of what, like the like goals next, numbers? Oh yeah, for sure, hundred percent. You're already starting to see it the last three games. That's why he flipped it. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. So, yep. Like against against Chicago, Matthews' line was dashed two and Marner, O'Reilly, Tavares scored on every shot they took. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But let's so. se- let's segue this, Jason. I want to hear your lines. I want to hear because I know you you'll get very creative with this answer. Um,
1: it, it there's like two paths, right? The path Path one is it's like the the top six is has we kind of been seeing it with uh, Marner, Matthews, Bunting, O'Reilly, Tavares, Nylander. The other path in my head is that we acquire another forward, um, and I think acquiring the other forward allows you to like. If it's a good game breaking forward, like you can, you could potentially like split O'Reilly off and you have three really strong center winger pairs. Um, so even like that, that could also be like maybe even a center. Like I don't know, maybe they get another center. Anyways, um, right now for my forwards, I, I think I just have it pretty similar to what we saw in practice. The only change being, Engvall out, Aston Reese in. Uh, so that's Bunting, Aust, Matthews, Marner, O'Reilly, Tavares, Nylander, Yarn Crook, Camp, Lafferty, Zach Aston Reese, Achari, Kerfoot. I believe those are the lines at yeah. practice, right? With yeah. just with uh,
2: Zach Aston Reese in four,
1: Engvall. And, um, then,
2: and then flip lines with Lafferty is what you La- just said.
1: Lafferty was oh okay because Lafferty was on the fourth line yeah. instead of Zach Aston Reese and Engvall yeah. was on the third line. Okay, yeah. But yeah, we talked about earlier in the podcast how we think that Sam Lafferty could work better with David Camp. So I think I, I think I'm on board with that and I I'd like to see that as a line. Um but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I want to see a couple more games of O'Reilly and with Nylander and Taveras. I'm not fully sold on Taveras as a winger yet, just simply for the fact that like, I think it really, I think it really devalues him, I guess, right? Like he doesn't really bring as like, not that I think, I think there's value in having three strong centers. Let me say it like that. Right. And I'm not saying David camp isn't a strong center. Of course he's like solid bottom sixer, but when you could have John Taveras or, Ryan O'Reilly, or even Austin Matthews playing in on that third line, like whoever you want to put there, like doesn't really matter. Like if you have a strong top nine, I think that's like a, a common theme we're seeing with a strong top nine centers, right? Like mm-hmm. that, that would match that you'd be able to match again. Like we should, we should be focusing on the teams are going to be facing. You'd be able to match Tampa Bay center depth like that. You'd be able to match Boston center depth like that, right? Where you could confidently go through our roster and say our, our center, those three centers. I'd rather have those guys than the guys we're playing up against. Right. So, um, I don't, I don't even know where I'm going with that one, but uh, <laughs> it I sounds kinda, like
2: deep down you want O'Reilly to be on. I want O'Reilly
1: line. on 3C, but it, it,
2: it all depends on this, on the if we acquire a forward. And I think if we do acquire a forward, it
1: makes it a little easier to explore that option.
2: But what if, let's say we don't, what are your thoughts on this line, guys? <laughs> give me, give me your feedback. Center, Ryan O'Reilly, left wing, Alex Kerfoot. Right-wing Sam Lafferty. What are your thoughts?
0: That that could work.
2: I, I don't, I don't I see just it. Question
0: the, I question the winger finishing ability. That's the thing. Of who? Kerfoot? About, of Lafferty and, and Kerfoot. We're forgetting <laughs> because Lafferty has like 10, 11 goals this year. He had zero and 35 against
2: Pittsburgh. Yeah, sure. true.
0: In but, Pittsburgh last year. But, yeah. like,
2: so who would you sub off and switch? Because I don't want Lafferty or Kerfa playing in our top six at all. Like, I no. don't think those guys are top sixers, so.
1: Yeah, so you'd, you'd simply have
0: Yarncroft in there, no? So, so yeah, where, where would you have Yarncroft in that situation? He'd be playing he
2: second be... line left wing.
0: Okay. Okay. It's giving me a lot to think about. I almost think like Matthew Nyes in in place of, of Kerfoot there. That would look nice.
2: That would, Nyes but then, nice but shot. then, if you're matching O'Reilly as a, oh yeah, uh, shit, as a defensive center, then it doesn't really work as well, right? But then maybe, yeah. are you going to give Nyes a shot playing with Tavares and Nylander then, and bump Yarnkrok down, a little extra finishing ability over a Kerfoot, and you still have Lafferty who's really speedy and will get to pucks and can exit the puck out of the zone with uh, possession and with foot speed. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm just trying to think
0: archetypes of players and such. I mean, hmm. what best suits I, Ryan O'Reilly?
1: I mean, we, we I don't think like we've never really seen this team go with like a fully defensive
0: line. And I think a third line of over. Tried it didn't really work. Which line? Last year they camp line in the playoffs. Yeah. Camp
2: McKay of an That's the that's about as defensive as they could get. The problem is their offensive zone production was terrible because they didn't forecheck well enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't
1: think that's a, in my eyes. That's not like a defense only line. But um, I think I think I think a line of Lafferty O'Reilly and Nice could work as like a as your third line. I think that, that, that could make sense. Like archetype. I think Joe's right. I think those, those guys do could, could potentially fit together. Cause like you're concerned with Kerfoot on that line is finishing ability. Well, okay, Matthew Matthew. What's what's one thing we've heard about Matthew nice throughout his, since he's been drafted is that he's got a rocket of a shot rocket. I don't know. Not, not, saying that's around the forward. net
2: too. Right. Not, not yeah. saying that's
1: directly going to correlate to uh finishing ability, but I mean, I, I could see honestly he could work with both Lafferty and and maybe Kerfoot, and then like a third, li- a fourth line of Achari, and Lafferty's. Like that's a pretty good. That's a. It's probably the best fourth line in the league, honestly. It's not again nothing to, nothing to, like sell like do victory laps about. But that, again, like if you're going up against Maroon Perry and, uh, Maroon Perry and Belmar, like that's, mm-hmm. and that's a pretty good line to counter that. Considering how good they are. on uh, those players are on both ends how pesky they are like it's a good match i think
2: the options are crazy and it's funny because we're like dipping our toes in but we're not making any declarations because we're like no kyle's gonna yeah. do something else crazy
0: yeah i think and, we're gonna like, i don't know like i, I think this whole part
2: do... of the podcast can be so weird. yeah like i know it's i know
0: but what do we talk about who's gonna trade for we have no idea
1: yeah and i i they they did run four games of Marner Tavares, O'Reilly. They're probably going to run four games of uh, Tavares O'Reilly William Nylander. Then after that, I, I'm I'm going to guess that's when we'll probably see a O'Reilly three C. And after that, uh, and and when that happens, trade deadline will be passed. So we'll have a little bit more clarity. Yeah. So maybe this is the forward discussion is a topic for the next episode. I
0: will You're say Ryan O'Reilly, Ryan O'Reilly has looked good
2: so very far. good also like it takes him a while to get going but his top speed is not bad i thought okay, it would yeah. be worse i don't he's think it's boy. bad it takes all. a couple steps yeah and well his like defensive skating is really good like his ability to match the puck his ability to support de- yeah like a defense a defenseman like it's- like it's he's like my worry honestly is that i like taveras as a winger in terms of he can be first to pucks more and he's retrieved a ton of pucks when he's at a standstill, though, in the defensive zone, it, it's it's just difficult. That's just one thing to keep in mind for mm-hmm. for Tavares sake. So, but I, I like I think Tavares. You got to give him props for making that conversion. It, yeah. It's hard going out of the middle of the ice to like enclosed spaces, but his his hands, his like uh, contested ability has kind of shined through for him, and he's honestly made it a pretty seamless transition. But as Jason said, I'd like to see him back in the middle.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. That's a good point. That that game against Buffalo. Oh my God!
2: Whew. Can I, oh. before before we wrap, what did you guys say about Engvall? Like, give me a Cliff Notes about that deal. Uh, fast, he's the fast and the frustrating. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I I think he has talent, and I think there's some of those bad habits that they just got sick of at the end of the day. That a lot of people were sick of, so but I got to give credit to Kyle Dubas. He basically developed Engvall, him and his team from the ground up. And it's hard to part ways with a guy like that, but you have to give him credit for saying, I need to make my mix better. And maybe at the cost of his own pride. And, and you have to respect the moves that the RGM has made this year. That's should, my closing thought there. That's a good point.
0: Good point. Any other closing thoughts? All right. Thanks everyone for listening.
2: Go Leafs, go.